If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish there this morning. You know, if you were ever in the military, especially the Navy, you'll recognize that command, battle stations. If a military man hears that, he knows, get to his post, lock and load, make sure the safety is off, the trigger is pulled back, and you are ready to fire. You are ready to fight. Well, as Christians, we need to be ready to fight because we are at war. Right? We have been talking about this for the last few weeks. See, we were born at war with God because we were born into sin. But when we laid down our arms at the cross of Christ in unconditional surrender, God declared peace with us. But when God declared peace with us, the devil declared war on us. And we must permanently be at our battle stations from earth to heaven. Now, it's one thing to be willing to fight a war, but it's another thing to know how to win. Because you can have the right weapons, and you can be in the right place, but if you don't have the right strategy, you will lose every time. See, Paul told us who our enemy is, right? He said we are to stand against the devil's schemes. And he told us what our weapons are. Ephesians 6.14 lists the armor of God. But this morning... I want to look at how he tells us to win the war. And it starts here. You start with God's power. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Notice, he didn't just say, be strong in the Lord. Right? It's not a matter of pumping iron. It's not a matter of lifting weights and getting the bowflex and getting fit. And no, it's a matter of our walk with God. It's our spiritual discipline that matters. If we're going to be ready, if we're going to be soldiers for Jesus. In other words, we're not fighting on our own power. We're fighting with God's power, in God's power. You know, there have been times I've shared Christ with people and, and the number one reason they tell me why they don't accept Him is they'll say something like this. There's no need for me to ask Christ into my heart because I can never live up to it. I can never stay true to God. It's just too hard to live the Christian life. Well, see, here's some good news. The Bible never teaches that it's hard to live the Christian life. The Bible says it's impossible. But that's the whole point of being saved. Because once we are saved, God gives us the power to live the Christian life. Well, if I could live up to what God wanted me to be on my own, I wouldn't need God. Right? If I could live the Christian life under my own power, I wouldn't need God's power. But I can't. I mean, the fact is, when you give your heart to Christ, He fills you with His Spirit. He gives you His power. And it's only through that power, it's only in that power, that you can live the life God wants you to live. Now here's some good news and some bad news. The bad news is you cannot win this war in your own power. But the good news is you don't have to. Because this war is not fought in your power. I mean, you cannot fight Satan in your own power. And I think that's part of the problem that many Christians have today. I think there are Christians who try to put up a fight with Satan and do it in the power of the flesh and on their own strength and on their own might. And they try to outbox him and outsmart him and outmaneuver him. And the fact of the matter is, you cannot outfox a serpent. You cannot outfight a lion. You can only meet Satan and defeat Satan with the power of God. 
And if you are living more in defeat than in victory, it's probably because of two reasons. On the one hand, we fail to realize our deficiency. You know, I think the reason that so many people don't pray is deep down, they don't think they need to. They, they think, oh, we're saved, I have a good job, I have a steady income, I have a healthy family, everything's going great at work and school, and, and, and I don't really need God. And they treat God like someone you call on in case of emergency, a 911. But isn't it interesting when you get to the point in your Christian life that you think you're strongest, it's really when you're weakest. See, there's plenty of room for confidence in the Christian life, but there is no room for pride. The Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, He said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul adds in verse 10, For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it was Paul who recognized his weakness, that he realized his strength. And as you study the great men of God throughout history, you'll find they were men who recognized their deficiency. They recognized that without Jesus, they could do nothing. Charles Finney was a great revival preacher. And one time he kept this crowd waiting for, for well over an hour before he went out to the platform to speak. And someone finally went out to, to find him, to tell him he needs to come to the platform. It's his chance. It's his turn to speak. And, and he could hear Finney crying out behind this closed door. And Finney said this, Lord, I will not go out there unless you go with me. But I think not only do we fail to realize our deficiency, we also fail to rely on God's sufficiency. I mean, in and of ourselves, right? In our own power, in our own strength, even with our own endurance, we will not win this fight. We don't have it. But God does. There's a question in the Bible that says, who is sufficient for these things? God is. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. The problem so often is God is our last resort instead of our first resource. I'll admit it. In my own life, there have been times where I will try and do everything before I will pray. There have been times that we organize and advertise and publicize and systemize and mobilize and strategize and scrape the bottom of the barrel of all of our human resources. And we try to do all these things that men can do. But when we pray, that's when you get what God can do. See, prayer can do anything God can do. And God can do anything. But so many Christians are losing this war because they're not going to God. See, without God, you cannot win this war. And with God, you cannot lose this war. But many people are losing because they've never strengthened themselves in His might, in His power. I read this story about a little boy. He was in his yard and he was trying to move this huge stone. And he was grunting and groaning and struggling and striving and straining. And, and it just wasn't getting anywhere. And his father was standing nearby and watching with some amusement. And finally, after the boy was near exhaustion, he said, Son, can you not move that obstacle? 
And the boy said, no, sir. And the dad said, have you used all your strength? And the son said, yes, sir. And the dad said, no, you haven't, because you haven't asked me yet. Listen again to verse 10. We are told to fight Satan in his mighty power. Not the power of our might. Not the power of the church's might. Not even the power of the preacher's might. We are to fight Satan in the power of his might. So how do we get this power? How do we get this might? How do we become strong in the Lord? There's only one way. And that is to know God. Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. It doesn't matter how hard you try, how clean you live, how much you do, how careful you are. If you don't know the Lord, and I mean truly know Him, know Him on this intimate, consistent basis, if you're not growing in the knowledge of God, you're just a 97-pound weakling in a 1,000-pound war. And there's only one way to get to know God. And honestly, it's the same way you get to know anyone. You spend time with them. You've got to have that quiet time, that devotional time, whatever you call it, but that daily time where you get alone and you have fellowship with God. Because that quiet time, it's not only where you get strength for the battle, it's actually where the battle is won. And see, Satan will do everything he can to try to keep you from having that time with God. Because that is his secret to victory. That is the secret to joy. That is the secret to peace. That's why you must make that time a priority. It's the key to being strengthened in his power. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher in history, had a time he set aside every day that he would get alone and be with God. And one day he was having his quiet time and a visitor came to see him in fact, it was a very important church member came to see him. And the maid went to the door and said, I'm sorry, you cannot see Mr. Spurgeon. He's in prayer. And the man said, would you go tell Mr. Spurgeon it's urgent I speak to him. So the maid went and she came back and she said, Mr. Spurgeon said he cannot be disturbed. Finally, the man said, would you tell Mr. Spurgeon a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is here and needs to see him. So the maid went and she came back with a message. She said, Mr. Spurgeon said, would you tell the man, although he is a servant of the Lord Jesus, I'm busy with the master, and therefore I cannot speak with a servant. That's why Charles Spurgeon was such a tremendous soldier of the cross, why he was victorious in war. He started every day in God's power. Second, we need to stay in God's presence. Look at verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. To understand what comes last certainly is not least. I mean, the reason that why Paul concludes this passage on spiritual warfare by calling God's people to prayer is because prayer is the battle. I mean, you're not getting ready to fight when you pray. Prayer is the fight. It's in the battlefield of prayer that the war is going to be won or lost. If you remember, Jesus was facing the greatest battle of his life, right before the crucifixion. And he said to his disciples, we must stop and pray. See, even though Jesus won the battle for our sin at the cross, 
He won the battle for the cross on his knees in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. The real shot concerning the war that we are fighting is this. The battlefield is prayer. The war is not fought on our feet. It's fought on our knees. That's why if you are a Christian that never prays or, or rarely prays, you've already surrendered in this war without ever firing a shot. See, it's going to be a great day when we learn that Satan doesn't fear our sermons or our singing or this service. He doesn't fear our stewardship, but he fears our prayers. And if Satan can do one thing in this church, he's going to stop us from praying. Dr. R.A. Torrey said this, The devil is not afraid of organization. He's only afraid of God. And an organization without prayer is an organization without God. Satan's not afraid of buildings and budgets and baptisms. It's prayer that he fights. It's prayer that he fears. And the greatest tragedy of prayer is not unanswered prayer. It's unasked prayer. See, think about it this way. When you pray... The devil cannot stop God from answering. So he simply tries to stop us from asking. Now, now maybe you still don't understand why prayer is a battle, but think about it this way. Who is that Satan really at war with? I mean, is he at war with you and me? No. Satan is at war with God. Revelation 12 talks about this war, and it took place in heaven, and it was a war that was fought between Satan and God, and it was God who threw Satan and his angels out of heaven. It was God that doomed Satan to an eternity in hell. So Satan's war primarily is not with us, it's with God. But Satan also knows he cannot hurt God. But if you want to hurt someone, and you know you can't get to them, the next thing you try and do is harm someone that they love. Hurt someone that they are close to. That's why Satan takes the war up with us. He tries to do us harm because he's trying to hurt God through us. And that's the beautiful thing about prayer. When we pray, we take the battle that Satan is bringing to us and we throw it back where it belongs. We put it back into the hands of God. David understood it. Right? That's why this little shepherd boy with a slingshot could, could defeat the largest, strongest man in the world with a stone. It's why he was willing to fight the giant and able to defeat the giant. Because he understood something no one else in the nation of Israel did. 1 Samuel 17, 47 says this, Then all this assembly shall know the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. When the nation of Israel was surrounded by Assyria, certain defeat looked imminent. Good King Hezekiah stood up before his people. He said, with him is an arm of flesh. With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. God's not interested in you fighting for him. He wants to do the fighting for you. And when you pray, you release the power of God in the battle. And a Christian who refuses to pray is like a soldier who goes into a battle with a pop gun when he could be using a cannon. So we need to pray. We need to stay in God's presence. And finally, we need to stand for God's purpose. Three different times here we are told to stand. Verse 11, stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 13, stand your ground. Verse 14, Paul begins by saying, stand firm. That, that's a strange thing. 
I mean, here you are. You have the armor of God on. You are out in the battlefield of prayer and you are pacing back and forth. You can hardly wait to go on the attack. You are ready to head out to the front lines. You're just waiting for those marching orders. And they finally arrive. And you open the envelope and you eagerly read. Here's what it says. Stand firm. It doesn't say charge. It doesn't say attack. It says stand firm. You know why? Because when you take a stand for God, you don't have to go to the battle. Satan will bring the battle to you. You remember in Daniel chapter 3, the story of those courageous young men, right? They loved God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a law was passed that everyone in the country would bow down and worship this golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And now these three men, they did not cause a ruckus. They didn't carry out with violent demonstrations. But when everyone else bowed down, all they simply did was stay standing. And it's because they stood up for God, the battle was brought to them. One of the reasons our country is in the shape it's in today is because for too long, God's people have been sitting silently on the sidelines instead of standing strongly for the Savior. God isn't looking for Christians that are doing spiritual somersaults and jump 20 pews at a time and swing from the chandeliers and speak in tongues and perform miracles and do all these other things. God is simply looking for people who will stand firm and stand up for Jesus. And there was a man who saw this boy out in the field with an old horse. He said, son, is that a racehorse? He said, no, sir. He said, is it a show horse? No, sir. Is it a plow horse? No, sir. Is it a work horse? No, sir. Well, can she run fast? No, sir. But he can stand fast. See, God is not looking for Christians who can run fast, but Christians who will stand fast. The issue is not in what a believer has done. But when the battle is over, when the smoke is cleared, the question is, is he standing true? Is he standing firm for his Lord and Savior Jesus? And you might be thinking, well, if I stand firm on Lord, I'll make enemies. And you will. But let me tell you this. The image you make by taking a firm stand will have more respect for you than the friends you make by straddling the fence. See, there's one of only two things a, sad, a soldier can do when a battle is raging on. Stand and fight or cut and run. And the only reason a soldier ever runs is out of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. So you go back and you read through the armor of God and you know what you're going to find? There's no armor covering the backside of a Christian because we aren't to turn and run from the devil. We stand and resist the devil. Now, Dr. Paige Peterson is a, is a big game hunter and he went to Africa to hunt what everyone said is by far and away the most dangerous animal, the Cape buffalo. And he told the most frightening experience he ever had with the Cape Buffalo. He said they came upon a herd, and without warning, this herd began to charge right at Dr. Patterson and his guide. And he said everything inside of him said, run. But the guide looked at him and said, no. If we run, we will die, because we cannot not outrun them, and they will catch us. 
So Dr. Patterson said, what do we do? And the guide said, the only thing we can do is stand firm. Don't move and look them dead in the eye. The guide even got behind Dr. Patterson to make sure that's exactly what he would do. And he said that was the most difficult thing he ever to do in his life. He said because he couldn't run, he wanted to close his eyes. But the guide said, don't close your eyes. That will show fear. So he said he stood there, straight as an arrow, still as a tree, and stared those Cape Buffalo right in the eye. And he said at the last moment, they stopped, about 10 yards off, stared him down, turned around, and walked away. He said, I won the victory because God gave me the ability to stand firm. Church, take your battle station. Stand firm. Let God do the battle through you and for you. And that's how we win the victory. So let me just ask, as we close this morning, are you ready to join the battle? To join the army of God? Because it all begins when you surrender your life to Him. And so if that's what you need to do, I invite you to come. Come down after worship and speak to me. Stop stop by and and let, let me know how I can help you join this battle. Become a part of the army of God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we know that we are in the middle of a battle. And we know it's only going to be won in your power and your presence. So help us, Lord. As we take our spot in the battlefield this week, help us to rely on you, on your spirit to stand firm in your mighty power. Because it's only through you that we have victory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.